Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morning, New Zealand. It's 9.03 uh, Tuesday morning, another Olympic morning, another busy Olympic program today. We'll get to, into that later on as we work through towards uh, midday in the next three hours. The first hour is very busy. Richie Barnett, uh, former Kiwi, of course, and uh, league uh, expert, is going to join us on the RTS saga and other things league as well. Uh, then uh, Phil Totorangi, uh, of course, uh, our PGA winner, and uh, Phil has got a, a golf show with us on Saturday mornings called Tee It Up with Phil Totorangi. Uh, we've got the Olympic golf coming up very shortly, plus a, another few uh, golfing items to talk about. And Wags, one of my favourite all-time New Zealand cricketers in terms of guts and determination, uh, Neil Wagner's one of them. So all those uh, three people coming up in the first hour and plenty more after that as we work our way through a very, very busy morning. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, endurance in the toughest of conditions was to the fore in Tokyo yesterday, the highlight of the viewing for this admiring Kiwi. Aidan Wilde was tough, very tough, superb in extreme conditions to add another chapter to that book of New Zealand triathlon that is indeed becoming quite substantial and an extremely good read. The carnage at the finish line spent bodies strewn on the deck was a testament to the demands of that race. Even the Norwegian champion had little time to bask in his glory, taken away for treatment and assessment in a wheelchair, while others staggered to the finish line. I've seldom seen or heard a more emotional post-race interview than the wild one. It's amazing he could shed tears, genuine tears and dedication to his deceased father. His body was that hydrated. It really was moving stuff. Aidan Wild. He carried bronze home, and he'll bring that home with him as well. Taylor Reid, just the memories of a test for the ages, and surely a highly commended 18th overall. But the pain for the day hadn't finished, not by a long shot, and the sight of Anton Cooper, a product of Woodend and Christchurch Boys High School, wheeling his way uphill and down dale over and through the picturesque yet punishing mountain bike course was of stuff only to be admired. Sixth with his lot in the end, but in his own words, I emptied the tank. It's a tough sport, 90 minutes out there in heat and dust. One of the deepest fields around. I gave it everything, completely empty at the finish line. Anton, I believe you, and thank you. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Uh, sad way to end in my time at the club, uh, especially my last game was my concussion and, and not being able to, to play in front of the uh, friends and family back in Mount Smart and all our members um, and fans. Um, it is a sad way, but, um, you know, COVID has, has, has played a lot of that and we just got to find a way to keep going on and 
Um, again, I'm just grateful the club to to have my support and to keep to keep supporting me along the way. Roger Tuivasa-Shek uh, comments there uh, that were made yesterday as uh, he's uh, about to wing his way home. He's been given a dispensation uh, and that brings to a close uh, uh, a wonderful career. Some will say, some might not. Actually, Richie Barnett, uh, former Kiwis captain and fullback for 27 test matches, of course, Sky Sport analyst and expert as well. Good morning to you, Richie. Morning, Smithy. How are you, my man? Listen, uh, are you happy with uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek being given this early release by Cameron George and the Warriors? Yeah, I think probably, to be honest, you know, like with the COVID situation happening and and I guess the respect that they have for um, someone of his calibre and what he's done for the organisation over those years, um, I think it's just fitting for um, the club to, to honour that and, and give him that dispensation and get him back home because who knows what's going to happen in the next two or three months over in Sydney or in Australia. Things are starting to really crumble over there. So, yeah, huge respect to the Warriors to, to release a player of that calibre. And would you be thinking that that's quite uh, universal or quite unanimous without the, within the group as well, that uh, they say goodbye to their, their skipper, their, their inspiration? That you, you think all the guys would be behind that? Because a lot of them have been over there a long time and a lot of them are, are missing home as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. But I think when you, when you look at someone who was given more than enough um, over those years and, and never drops down to a level um, that's a standard level, he's always excelled. Um, he lives and breathes at 24-7. He's um, one of those players who, who leads by example in every facet. Um, and so I don't think they'll even look sideways at that decision, I think. I think we're in a different era now, Smithy, you know, with um, in this COVID situation. And, and two things have drastically changed in the way um, contracts um, are either honoured and where contracts are um, moved on and separated and, and, and easy, easy come, easy go, as they say sometimes. But it's certainly in a different era. He played 111 games for the Warriors, uh, spanning six seasons. Where will he go down in history for you as a Warriors player? I think he's right up there, um, Smithy, with um, Simon Manor and Stacey Jones. But um, I think he's taken it to another level. Because um, every game I've seen him play um, in the Warriors, and, and we've seen over times where the Warriors haven't been great, <clears throat> but yet he still exceeds expectations all the time and you know it's probably the fact that he was in the Warriors side that he probably didn't gain um, probably another two accolades of, of winning you know the um, the best player in the competition probably on twat, two occasions I'd say he's done it once but I reckon he was probably in the pipeline for another if he was in a different team things would have been different the perception on the Warriors and the fact that they don't really see them um, as often as you'd like um, and if he was with the Roosters at that time he probably would have got that twice or three times over so respect to his level of intensity and the way he plays the game and, and ever evolving individual um, on the field um, is just mind blowing so he, he rates highly in my top I think one or two players He'd be disappointed though that they, they weren't as a unit more competitive uh, they reached the finals once I think during his tenure at the club back in 2018 which 
uh, I would imagine as a perfectionist, as taking it to a new level, as you yeah. said, um, the overall side of it was pretty disappointing. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, he'd, as you say, perfectionism definitely high up on the list of how he values himself and how he carries himself. But yeah, brutally disappointed um, how they just can't get it together and find the right recipe to, of success. Um, the fact that they've probably stayed over in Aussie has probably enabled them to actually pull in more players um, or a pool of players from Australia and build a team. And as we know, rightly so in this game, it's just it's very difficult to get the right players at the right time um, in the right circle and move in the right direction, as we're seeing with so many other teams. Penrith are on fire at the moment, so is Parramatta, and they all had issues in the past, particularly Parramatta. It's very difficult to get, acquire a team and build a team um, and encourage players to come over to New Zealand to, to play. So I think things are starting to change. I see it um, in the last... Well, this year I see things starting to, starting to change and getting the right players in the right position. But he would be brutally disappointed in, in the performance and the standard that we've seen the last few years. Um, and he would just be... I mean, from the start when he, he signed, I mean, his, his ethos was really to win um, a premiership for, for New Zealand Warriors. Not to be. 9.12am here on SENZ. We're talking to uh, Richie Barnett, former Kiwis captain, Sky analyst, of course. We're talking about uh, Roger Tuovasa-Shek, the fact that he's coming home in the window, uh, which gets him home very, very quickly indeed, actually. And that was uh, given him that opportunity given to him by his teammates, I'm sure, and, of course, CEO uh, Cameron George. Uh, obviously, leadership has been high on his agenda. He's been in charge since 2017 on the field. So then, that leaves a gaping hole. Who's going to fill that, that void? Who's going to fill that void of leadership, Richie? Well, I mean, there's um, what uh, Darlan Matevni, uh, uh, he'll be, um, he's had that opportunity and a good leader too from the from the Kiwis' perspective. Um, he's likely and could slot back into fullback role, which makes it easier. For, uh, to be a leader at the back than it is to be on the wing, and I think it suits him better to be on as fullback, in my point of view. Um, so I think that that's an obvious choice um, from my point of view, and um, he's just more influential at the back than he is on the wing. So he rates highly for me. Obviously, going forward, Reese Walsh is going to be uh, integral into uh, the Warriors' success, particularly if he continues on with the form that he showed. Um, <coughs> He's just starting out, though. How how much cotton wool does Nathan Brown need to have around him at the moment? Because, you know, he was selected, wasn't he, for a state of origin, and Phil Gould was one person that stood up and said, that's ridiculous selection so early on for such a young kid. How much of the kid glove sort of thing does he need at the moment, Reese Walsh? It's, it's, again, it's just managing throughout the season how, how it evolves and how much work... Um, depending where he plays, obviously, if he's playing at six, it's a lot. It's a lot um, more difficult because the isolation aspect of the game is is easier to do um, to pinpoint set uh, structures around um, the halves. But promptly, they're they're weaker defenders. Some cases, and he certainly one that they would be targeting. So it's managing and, and who you have beside you and around you is so important. Fullbacks probably. 
a lot easier in terms of um, hiding. But again, um, fullback's probably the most influential position in rugby league at the moment in terms of defending, uh, organising, uh, coming in as a three-pronged attack, um, creating. It's it's a massive, massive job now. So I think he's probably... I'm not, he looks so much better when he's got the ball in hand in the halves. But the harsh reality is that he's a, a real target. And you're right about cotton wooling, how, how often. And he, you just got to put him in there and, and see how it goes. And um, you've just got to manage it as uh, each game as it goes. And um, I guess that's just the nature of the game now. But he looks so, so good um, in creating at six. Fullback, um, again, he's injecting himself in the line. He's a real threat in everything he does. But there's obviously the element of um, defence and the like, which is always a big thing in rugby league. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of defence uh, in the Warriors at the moment. That's uh, one of the high priorities, I would imagine. We had uh, Cameron George on, the CEO, uh, the other day, and he said no problem at all with Nathan Brown going forward, not even something that they even discussed or thought about, really. Uh, what are your views on, on Nathan Brown? Is he the man to take them forward still? Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely I do. Um, when I when you look at, uh, I guess, people that uh, have massive influence, Full Gill was one of them. So when you got someone who's saying um, that he's got the goods, then I'll take his word for it. Absolutely. I, I don't know the in-depth knowledge of it, but I certainly, when I hear someone of Gus Gill, knowing that I've played under him and what he's like, then hearing it from him, I'll take that. Absolutely, uh, full advantage, and I think he, he's, he's definitely the right, the sort of age he's come through. He's very articulate. He, he understands the game extremely well. So, um, again, there's many coaches that have come to the New Zealand Warriors and failed, but um, I think there's some good signs in recruitment uh, for the Warriors leading forward for next year. Unfortunately, I don't see them making the top eight, which is, a, again, another disappointment. Um, and mate, they have to make make some drastic changes uh, for next year because it's a it's it's going to be very very vital for them. Richie Barnett, just finally, uh, I, I imagine even league fans will be interested to see how Roger Tuivasa Shet goes at Rugby Union. Uh, where do you think he'll play when he sets off for Auckland and the Blues, and what will his uh, assets, apart from leadership? Uh, as a, as a team man, what will it, what will he bring to Rugby Union and the Blues franchise? Uh, he'll be playing at 12. There's no doubt. That midfield, um, where they can uh, cut through the advantage line with his, his ability to step and create um, some passages there. and um, So I think he's going to be exceptionally good um, in the midfield. There's so many options around him. Uh, where he can break the line um, in the 15, obviously, squad. 15 game, <clears throat> there is uh, there's this limited room and impact. The advantage line football is so vitally important in rugby union. Um, so I think he's going to be exceptionally good in that way. He's just got to understand the game, which he's played, obviously, in his early years. But um, there is, it's ever forever changed in this game. So I, I see it such a... I'm I'm looking forward to it. As you know, I you know played rugby union most of most of my early years, so um, and having a son playing in first fifteen at the moment, so I'm always intrigued and um, and I love just watching both games and how they evolve and how players do pivot and change and adapt to 
certain styles. So very, very interested in watching. Hey, Richie, thanks so much for your time this morning and your insight uh, into RTS. And uh, I look forward to watching him uh, from the sideline, actually, playing rugby union, just see what kind of uh, immediate impact he can have at 12 for the Blues. Hey, Richie, thanks so much, mate. Pleasure speaking. No worries. Absolutely. Always good to chat. Yeah, good man. Okay, right. 88.33 is our text line, folks. Uh, there's your subject. Uh, where do you think he'll play and how do you think he'll go? Uh, RTS had that with uh, Benji Marshall, didn't they? And that didn't quite uh, go to plan. So let's just see if RTS can make a, a bigger early impact into that Blues franchise and maybe for uh, Auckland um, coming up too in that domestic competition. Uh, also, uh, 0800 150811. 0800-150-811. Give us a call. Don't be shy. Um, we've uh, got opportunities uh, coming up now, actually, if you, you want to put your five cents worth in. Uh, RTS, uh, your opinion. Will it work? Will it work? It hasn't uh, quite done so in the past. Very shortly, very, very shortly, uh, we're going to be talking to Phil Tautarangi as well. Obviously, uh, golf coming up, seeing off in the Olympics very shortly. Ryan Fox. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. That is 9.25 here on SENZ on Tuesday morning. And uh, what's happened, John Day? Have you got something for us? This music means breaking news, Smithy. We've got it out okay. of the NBA, actually. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, everyone will know him, uh, a very reliable NBA reporter. Woj, as he's commonly known, has dropped a Woj bomb regarding Stephen Adams uh, and a trade, potentially. So this is what Adrian Wojnarowski has posted on Twitter. Breaking. Memphis is finalising a trade to send Jonas Valanciunas and 2021 number 17 and 51 picks to New Orleans for Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe and 2021 picks numbers 10 and 40 and a protected 2022 first round draft pick via the Lakers, sources tell ESPN. So Stephen Adams could be one and done when it comes to uh, NBA at the New Orleans Pelicans, who have got rid of their coach, Stan Van Gundy as well, who uh, I know Stephen Adams was very uh, respectful of and had a good relationship with. So, yeah, Stephen Adams could be on his way to Memphis, Smithy. That's incredible news, yeah. A New Orleans Pelican, was, uh, was it Zion? Zion Williamson, the absolute standout, uh, who was the number one draft pick in everyone's mind. Uh, that combination didn't stay together very long. So more on that throughout the morning. I'm sure Staffy will uh, have something on that uh, between 12 and 4 as well. He is the man that's brought the NBA alive for us in New Zealand. Something to follow. Boy, uh, we're starting to follow him all over the place at the moment. We have a caller online. It's Brian from Fokatani. Uh, Brian, what would you like to chat with us about this morning? How's it going, Smithy? Hey, um, I yeah, watched cool. that Good. triathlon. I watched that triathlon the other day, and they were just amazing those athletes the way they uh like they train for for years and years swimming cycling and running and blood sweat and tears to get to the end of the race and they get a gold medal the same as a 13 year old chinese girl for spending three seconds sliding two feet down a balustrade on a skateboard what's the guts there man yeah well ron i i can't i can't uh just, uh, I can't disagree with you there. They're just staggering the amount of effort and that that goes into that that sort of discipline for them to come out with the same prize. You're right. I, 
I, I look at I, look. I'll be honest with you. Skateboarding in the Olympics, to be fair, I mean, you know, I don't mind it on the Village Green down in Havelock. That's fine. Uh, and and you know, other skateboard parks around the country, and it's a wonderful pastime. The kids, it's nice and healthy, etc. Uh, but Olympic sport, Brian, when's it going to stop? Do you reckon? Exactly. That's my point, really. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I gleaned that. You know, it's just. Um, uh, but on Hayden Wild, we're not going to change it. You and I just by the by. But on Hayden Wild, uh, what an effort! And, and I've never, as I said before, I've never sort of seen so much carnage at the finish line because there, there were bodies all over the place. Honestly, the leader was he was the winner was spewing all over the joint. They carted him off in a wheelchair. Yeah. That must have been so damn grueling. Absolutely. And that uh, mountain biker as well, like, I saw him make a few critical errors taking drinks and stuff, Smithy. Like, he, he lost a couple of places taking drinks. You know, I reckon he could have could have done a little bit better, just a couple of extra tactics. Maybe he could get a bit of coaching or something. Like, yeah, he lost he, a lot of time. Like he lacked a, yeah, it looked to me as if he lacked a teammate, you know, someone he could sort of bounce off and ride with. The Swiss were together. Uh, you know, and then the, the Englishman just took off, and it was something to behold, to be fair. But he just, you're right, he just, and maybe fatigue contributes to that, but when they came into the, uh, like, pit lane it was, uh, they all sort of looked around at one point, and I think they, two or three of them lost their momentum at that. You, you kind of thought to yourself, they're guessing here, and, and they need a bit of help, but there was no help for Anton Cooper. But having said that, uh, what I admired about it, and what I liked about it, he was in contention for so, so long, and Man, he didn't give up. He just ran out, and it's, it's he just ran out of gas. Yeah. Uh, Brian, so yeah, about uh, three times, you know, very much on this. Yeah, absolutely. About three but, times, very, in very lane, much. He he lost a lot. Yeah, there's no no doubt about it, mate. You absolutely did right, and and I watched the race the same exactly the same way as you did. Thanks very much for your call, Brian. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven is the number. There, text coming in as well. Um, hi, Ian. What are your thoughts on the All Black season? Bledisloe Cup uh, and the Rugby Championship. Uh, more on that, Michael, uh, throughout the, the show. Uh, yeah, uh, news coming through this morning that the All Blacks have locked in a game on October the 23rd against the USA in Washington as part of their Northern Tour. So that, uh, that uh, campaign, that Northern Tour campaign, is getting bigger and bigger all the time. Um, RTS, I think RTS will be fine. Uh, this is another text. The difference between him and Benji is that RTS grew up playing rugby union at high school and played blues under 19s, I believe. He's also only 28. Well, it's still a young man, isn't it? Providing he stays fit. Just uh, for the Warriors' point of view, it's just been another same old story for the Warriors, according to uh, one texter. Just a broken record all the time. It's incredible. It's like they read off the same bit of paper. No, it won't work. No way he will be an all-black. Great show. So there you go. Passionate subject. That's uh, RTS he was talking about. So with, uh, throughout the morning, uh, 0800 150 811. We'll give you some air time. And 8833 is the text number. Very shortly, uh, we'll have Phil Totorangi on Olympic golf and other matters. But uh, right now, it's time for the news with Trudy. here on SCNZ uh, on a Tuesday morning, which has already revealed some breaking news to us that Stephen Adams is uh, 99%, we believe, 99% on a trade deal off to the Memphis Grizzlies. They left the New Orleans Pelicans courtesy of a trade deal. 
and he will now be wearing the singlet, the vest of the Memphis Grizzlies. So that, that NBA, man, what a merry-go-round that is. Uh, right, time for golf and uh, our expert. Uh, tee it up at 7 o'clock on Saturday mornings with Phil Totorangi. Well, he's teeing it up with us right here and now on SENZ because there's plenty to talk about in the golfing world. Uh, good morning to you, Phil. And it's uh, Olympic golf we want to talk about as well this morning. It is, Smitty. We'll get to that in just a couple of moments. But we had a major championship last week and Lydia was in contention again. So we better um, sign her off. She ended up coming up just a little bit short, tie for six. And that's uh, another top ten in the same major championship where she got her first uh, breakthrough major back in 2015 as a fresh 18-year-old. So she's certainly continuing along that same sort of form in 2021. It was won by uh, Minji Lee, the young Australian who her brother actually just won on the European Tour just a couple of weeks back. She shot a bogey free 64 in the final day, came from mm. eight shots back to win her first major championship. So the women's Olympic competition will be next week, but as you mentioned, this week uh, Foxy's going to be teeing it up. Just before we finish on Lydia at the moment, what are you seeing in her game? I watched, I, I mean, I, I love women's golf. I think it's a fantastic sport and it's very well portrayed on television. It gets great coverage. I watched the, the first part of the final round. She was playing in the, the final pairing. Uh, she missed, uh, I think she hit fairway bunkers in two of her first three tee shots um, and, and, she, and then played a very poor second when she finally hit a fairway. So she never really got that momentum that, that she needed to go for. What are you seeing in her game? Is there a looseness about it? Yeah, look, I think actually the, the, the shining light for her has been at both ends of her game. I think her driving is... is become improved and that she's got a little bit extra length in the work that she's done with Sean Foley um, and she's most definitely putting the ball better um, over the course of the season uh, wasn't as sharp on Sunday as you rightly point out some of the year, I mean she made twice as many bogeys on Sunday as she'd made the first three days, only made three three mistakes, excuse me, two mistakes the, uh, the first three rounds and she had four bogeys on the scorecard on the final round, so it was always mostly struggling for a bit of momentum, but I, I think her actually driving has actually been improved uh, from where it's been the last couple of years. Um, Sunday, clearly, in a major championship, if you start getting sideways off the tee, it's always going to be a bit scratchy. Well, Ryan Fox tees it up uh, at, uh, on Thursday, New Zealand time. Uh, Justin Rose is the defending champion. He uh, won the gold medal in Rio. Uh, the Kasuma Gaseki Country Club in Tokyo. What do we know about the venue? Yeah, it's going to be a big course, uh, as they most of them are these days. Added lengths, about 400 metres or so they added just a few years back, and so it's it's going to play pretty much like an American-style golf course, tree-lined, pine trees on both sides. Um, it's going to play about nearly 7,000 metres. Um, so that's a big big old golf course, par 71. And so, I guess, for Ryan, um, and with the, the typhoon that's due in in the next couple of days, a fair bit of rain that's going to dump itself on the greater Tokyo area, um, it's fair to say I think the person that, uh, or, or those players that have length off the tee can keep it within the short grass certainly have a huge advantage. Well, the two players that have certainly fit that category have uh, pulled out very recently. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, of course, uh, he is all about distance and muscle. Uh, and John Rahm, uh, obviously John Rahm, is, he's had a terrible run with COVID. Both these guys because of COVID. Uh, John Rump, he, he this is second time in about a month he's had COVID because didn't he have to? It was forced to withdraw with a big lead about a month ago. 
forced to withdraw at the memorial with a six-shot lead. You're right, Smithy. And um, this is despite being vaccinated, in parentheses, and uh, this is his fourth positive test over the last 15 months, in actual fact. And so it kind of, it kind of, it, it does kind of put up a smoke screen of, of what the heck's going on here, Smithy. Really, to be fair. Um, and look, this is of course the, the Olympics is run under the IOC, not under the PGA Tour, slightly different testing regimes. Um, but for, for John Rahm, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if the golfing gods are working against him or, or what's going on here, but uh, unable to compete as the number one player in the world, winning the US Open just a few weeks ago, who certainly was going to be one of the big draws going into this tournament. So let's look at, at uh, the field in well, it's not, not so much in detail, but in terms of who you think are genuine threats governed by the conditions you've just outlined to us and current form. Yeah, well, certainly Colin Murakawa coming off of that uh, win at Royal St George's. Uh, there's not too much in his game that suggests that it won't uh, be he won't be a contender uh, this coming week. Uh, his iron game very sharp, and, and generally with long golf courses, as much as I talk, just mentioned that it's about length of the tee, and that will be an advantage. Uh, a lot of guys have got length off the tee nowadays, so to separate yourself is most probably the iron game, and he's the best in the business for that. You most probably got to look at Hideki Matsuyama. Despite winning the green jacket, he's only, won a, only played a couple of times since, because he did, had a wretched run with COVID as well. Not able to um, play in the US Open, wasn't able to play in the Open Championship a couple of weeks ago, despite having no symptoms and being vaccinated. Once again, uh, Matsuyama returning to Japan as the uh, the wearer of the green jacket, a, a lot of focus will be on him. And, and to add, Smithy, he won the Asian Amateur, the last big tournament that they played around Kasumi Naseki. This was back in 2010, um, but pretty much the same golf course. And he shot 15 under on that occasion, one by five. And so um, providing um, COVID doesn't sneak up and catch him again, um, you've got to think that Hideki Matsuyama, with all of the buoyancy of being back in his home country, um, will certainly be someone to keep an eye on. OK, that was uh, Phil Totorangi, folks. You can listen to him at 7 o'clock on Saturday mornings. Uh, when he comes on this Saturday, of course, uh, the uh, men's competition will be around about halfway through, so he'll have an update and a possible... I guess he might even come up with a possible candidate for you to have a bit of a wager on at the TAB as well. Uh, Phil, thanks very much for joining us. Very shortly, folks, uh, we are going to be chatting to Neil Wagner. It's uh, the Mace Tour. And just what uh, is Wags up to post that wonderful Test Match Championship win that he was such an integral part of? Neil Wagner shortly. Of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the whole Know when the fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. 9.46 here on SCNZ. Yep, not uh, successful at all yesterday with my multi because I was let down by the Milwaukee Brewers. Everything else sort of came to pass quite nicely, but the Brewers, which was my value bet to be fair to add, Value to it. They were beaten 3-1 by the Chicago White Sox. My eldest son says leave basketball, uh, baseball alone, Dad, so probably will from here on in. Certainly haven't got uh, baseball in it today. Uh, women's basketball. Australian women's team to beat the, the Belgium team. It's at 
$1.24. I think that's a given Australia. Pretty powerful there. I'm going to go a little bit outside the square here and go to men's three on three basketball. It's quite interesting actually to watch. Uh, Latvia to beat the Netherlands uh, at a buck 40. That's later this afternoon. And uh, tonight, uh, women's football, Great Britain to beat Canada. Uh, here's the value here at a buck 95. I, I just kind of figure the Great Britain team is full of basically professional, full-time professional women's footballers. It's got to be a good team. So $3.38 uh, is the overall result there. It's not massive, but uh, I hope like heck it's guaranteed for you. I can't guarantee it myself, but I hope like it is. Uh, so yeah, it's a multi. Uh, bit hard to pick uh, these ones at the moment. Uh, it's hard to pick the Olympic sports because what I'm noticing, John, is there's a lot of, to me, there's just a lot of upsets. There's a lot of high flyers, a lot of favourites. The Brownlee brothers didn't even feature in the triathlon yesterday, and they're just givens, the Brownleys. Yeah, that's the thing with these Olympics, Smithy. There's been no real international competition in the build-up, so no real form guide to go on. I mean, um, that cyclist who won the road race for the women, 501 to 1. You know, like, imagine if you had that in your multi. That would be a good wee multiplier. So, yeah, I'm feeling for you at the moment, Smithy. Well, I think you've collected once so far. So your next collect must be just around the corner, surely. Yeah, thanks very much for that, John. Thanks for your uh, eternal support. The Mace, by the way, folks, is a leading park uh, today. The Garden of Eden is a fan experience from 11.30 to 1.30. Uh, we're going to try uh, once again to get hold of uh, our mate Neil Wagner uh, and... Uh, just give an update on how Wags is feeling at the moment. Uh, a late reflection on that World Test Championship and what he's got planned going forward. Hopefully, with uh, that white, uh, all whites, not all whites uniform. What am I talking about? That black caps uniform, uh, firmly on his back. We love his spirit. We love his guts and determination. He would have been a good triathlete, Neil Wagner, coming up shortly. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Got in. Jadeja is a gasp. But Wagner has proved he's prodded. He never gives in. He never gives in, all right, and I'm so pleased to have Neil Wagner, of course, uh, a black cap, and uh, a celebrated black cap at that, on the phone with us this morning. He's such a busy guy because the the black caps are in demand. Uh, good morning to you, Wags, and uh, first of all, congratulations on, on that last uh, magnificent a- achievement in the World Test Championship. Have you been surprised at the level of support and congratulations you guys have received? Uh, morning, Smithy. Uh, yeah, thank you very much, mate. It's been uh, it's been pretty awesome to be fair. It's uh, been amazing to to be around, um, to be obviously out of uh, isolation, and to see the joy that it's brought to to the public and the fans. And uh, yeah, the amount of people that love Test cricket at the moment it's, it's pretty special. Where'd the rate for you, mate? Because uh, you're principally uh, a red ball player for New Zealand. They don't give you the opportunity so much in the white ball side of things. So where does this rate for you? Yeah, um, obviously don't get the chance to play the other stuff, but I think if I had to ever pick, mate, this will definitely be uh, the cherry on top. I think it's um, uh, without a doubt. I think the pinnacle, um, the pinnacle, the pinnacle of uh, everyone's career. So um, yeah, to play Test cricket and be able to to get the most, mate, that's that's uh, right up there. Look, when you pulled the covers back in Southampton, um, and obviously you know you, you like to see a little bit of grass on the on the pitch uh, to begin with, anyway. Were you feeling confident about that with, with the with the attack that we had? 
Uh, obviously, um, you know, England conditions can be quite quite different and change quite a lot. Uh, I think everyone knows that it's played there quite a bit. As soon as the sun comes out, uh, it can to be quite flat, no matter how much grass is on the wicket, it can sort of, I guess, fully in that sense. But if it's overcast and, and you know, lights come on, it tends to do a little bit. Um, and that can change the game real quickly. But I thought throughout that whole test match, it just offered something the whole time. And even in the last day on day six, when, when India was bowling, um, it looked very tricky, and, and Ross and Kane uh, was exceptional in that chase and the way they played, and and obviously in in, in tough circumstances that uh, yeah got us over the line. So very fitting for those two to be in there to the, towards the end. So um, yeah, just a pleasing effort from everyone. Wags, quite often in commentary, people talk about bowlers bowling in tandem, and a lot of people don't quite grasp the concept of that. They think a bowler is a bowler is a bowler within his own right. Well, that is true, but bowling in tandem. Tell us a wee bit about it and how important it is to the combinations. Yeah, I, I think everyone knows their role and, and your role might change, um, you know, on the day um, and in a spell. Um, and I think what, what's quite nice is we feed off each other really well. Uh, all the bowlers know what they need to do. Um, we have a lot of discussions, obviously planning that goes into it and uh, sometimes you just got to have to adapt in the middle too. But yeah, bowling for each other. We know, you know, one day um, someone might get the the rewards and, and get the crop of the wickets, but um, that's not going to happen if it's not for for the effort from everyone else. So uh, it goes a big part within the team uh, to obviously, I guess, contribute um, from both ends, uh, and that's something I think we've done well for a number of years now. And with Kyle coming into attack, uh, it's obviously just helped uh, even more so. So it's definitely uh, created another dynamic in, in the team, and it's a pretty special unit to be a part of. Neil Wagner with us here. It's uh, 9.57 on SENZ. Yesterday was very much an endurance day at the Olympics, particularly from a New Zealand point of view with triathlon and mountain biking. And if, if I say the word endurance, uh, I think you epitomise it as a cricketer. Where do you get your stamina from, mate? Is it natural? How hard do you have to work? Mate, it's actually quite fitting, quite nice, because Hayden, uh, obviously running a bronze yesterday, pretty stoked for him. We, we were doing a running session at the mountain. We had to do a 1,500 uh, time track and uh, we had him setting the pace for us so we were quite lucky he was there training and, and doing a bit of work and, and Balti hit him up um, in the mount and said to him hey can you uh, help us out and, and set the pace for us in the 1500 he sort of laughed and said okay what time do you want to run and uh, we said to see there we want to just be run under five minutes and uh, he made it look easy mate um, yeah had us uh, puffing so yeah there's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes uh, uh, we push each other as well um, and, and have a bit of fun of it but the amount of work that Chris Donaldson has done for a number of years now behind the scenes uh, goes a long way and, and everybody buys into it uh, throughout the whole group. The batters, bowlers, um, everyone puts in the hard yards and, and there's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes. So uh, for us, I mean, personally, uh, I feel I'm not someone who has the biggest amount of skill um, or talent that goes around. So for me, uh, that fitness and, and, and strength and conditioning is a long way of being able to do what I do. Um, uh, and yeah, I've got to give full credit for those, those guys around behind the scenes. So the Mace is in uh, Tauranga tomorrow, I believe, or is it the next day, But and you're involved there? Yes, uh, so I'm currently in Auckland. It's been a pretty busy uh, couple of hours. Uh, yesterday was pretty busy, and, and today, but it's been amazing to see, uh, obviously, the fans' reaction and, and what it's meant to everyone. Uh, off to, to Tauranga tomorrow after uh, signing off Auckland today, and then uh, off to Hamilton on the same day. So pretty busy, but it's also really exciting. It's quite nice to, to celebrate something that's... Um, I guess amazing uh, success for, for the group through a number of years of hard work and, and finally getting some reward of it.
Thanks very much to Neil Wagner. Wags, enjoy the celebration as it goes around the country. That's the Mason. Wags is with it in Auckland and a Tauranga tomorrow. He has been fantastic and long may he continue to be fantastic with that red ball in hand. Coming up to the news at 10 o'clock uh, and after that we've got Mike Angove. It's boxing time at the Olympics. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Starting off with a probing jab, you can immediately see the height advantage. Cracks the right hand to the body. And another one. Just leaned in effortlessly. Already catching him with the jab. Jesse Mayo knows already. He's in for one. The speed. Oh, the right hand. Caught him on the ear. He's complaining it was on the back of the head. Looked to me to be on the ear as he leaned in. Seven, eight, nine, ten, nine. Wow. We'll go to the replay, but you have to go with what the referee called it. That was the voice of uh, Mike and gave a little bit of Monty Beethan thrown in as well, but they were describing David Nika's first pro fight, which uh, went all of just 40 seconds. Uh, Fortunately, this morning, Mike Gangover is going to give us a, a lot more of his time as we go forward uh, looking at the Olympic Games coming up, the boxing side of things as well. Uh, Mike, good morning to you. Highly respect uh, your thoughts on the game. I know not much about it, so I depend on you as well. <laughs> oh, good, good to be on and uh, look, looking forward to seeing how David goes because uh, in a sense, it's been a long time between drinks. Um, you know, uh, he's our double uh, Commonwealth Games gold medalist, but the step up at, at the Olympics is significant. And uh, he has tremendous talent, but uh, make no mistake, it's a, it's a very, very difficult ask. Well, he's, uh, he really is a talent, though. Uh, we've seen him. It's, it's not his first rodeo. Um, he also is highly respected within the group, of course, because uh, he took over uh, as flag bearer at the opening ceremony for Hamish Bond. So... Obviously, just a young man still, Mike, making his way in the game, but uh, very, very highly respected, not just amongst boxers. Yeah, well, um, I mean, uh, as, as a person, David's, David's great. He's, uh, I mean, he's been in and out of our camp uh, over, over at City Kickboxing from time to time, uh, both as a sparring partner um, and, and also when he's looking for sparring on his own. And, uh, you know, he, he fits into either of those roles. He's, a, he's the kind of guy who, who has uh, a degree of gravitas about him, a degree of mana about him, but is also very much a, a team player and just, just a hell of a nice guy to go with what is, you know, in, inordinate talent. Um, and you see that when he's sparring with the likes of, uh, of Israel Adesanya with, um, you know, with Junior Farr and obviously in his performances um, over the last few years overseas. I mean, look, he's, he's ranked fourth in his division at the moment as very, very much a, uh, a medal prospect. In fact, he'd probably be ranked higher um, if, uh, you know, he hadn't been on the stiff end of uh, some of the uh, uh, judging decisions over the past couple of years. COVID has, uh, has affected all sport, um, Mike, and, and of course uh, it has affected competition around the world. So it's very hard... And these, I, I found going into these Olympics to get a line on a lot of 
of uh, the competitors because we just haven't been able to see them as regularly as we, regularly as we normally would. Uh, what do we know about uh, his opponent today, Yunz Bala of Morocco? Look, I, look, I have to say I had to do a, a, quick, a quick search on him. Um, look, he, he, he's well performed. He's got a good record. David would be favoured. But the, the Moroccans are notoriously tough. Um, they're, they're usually extremely fit. Um, and they have a never-say-die attitude. Um, so although he's not the favourite, he's one of those guys who also has a very awkward style as well, um, that when you're a very fluid, technical boxer like David, can create some problems. Remembering these are, these are um, you know, these aren't professional, you know, 12-round or 10-round bouts. So it's, a, it's uh, you know, it's, it's just the, the shorter duration bouts. And that means if you're out and you're, you're ahead after one round, um, you know, it can, it can be quite a, quite difficult to, to to come back from that. So for David, it is really important that he imposes his style on this guy. He doesn't let the roughhouse tactics and the the unorthodoxy uh, come through, and he makes sure he he gets off to a good start and lands those those clean, slick punches without getting touched, which is his trademark. It seems very hard to turn, apart from a big punch. It seems we. Because of the, the duration of the fights in the Olympics, if you, if you start slowly, it takes a lot of getting back in the judges' minds, doesn't it? Um, yeah, look, it, it absolutely does. Um, one, from the point of view of just having impetus, um, you know, in a short-duration fight, if you're off to a good start without even going to the scoring, um, the guy's imposed his will and therefore you have to adapt and you have to change. And, and a lot of fighters find that very difficult. With David, um, he is a guy who, who can read, and he reads fighters well. And he, uh, if you like, he's a, he's a bit of a boxing computer, so he will interpret data and react, and that's a special skill that he has. Uh, so, something similar to Israel Adesanya when he fights in kickboxing and MMA. Um, you know, he, he reads the opponent... Um, and, and then make small adjustments. And uh, that's probably something that, uh, you know, David ha has in his skill set, which, which is good, but you need to be, particularly with the differing styles you get from different countries around the world in the, in the amateur contest. It sounds from what you're saying as if he's, he's pretty close and takes very close uh, attention to what Israel uh, Adesanya is doing and saying. Now, what kind of a relationship is that then? Um, if you're talking about between between those two, he, he's come in periodically. Um, Cairo George, where he does a lot of his training down down in Hamilton, um, and, and obviously um, his, his father and brother have come up from time to time. Um, you know, and the good thing with those guys is it's about a couple of guys who have inordinate talent. Um, obviously, David gets the better of the boxing. Um, but you can see the similarities in what they do and how they go about the game. And, you know, it, it's good for elite athletes to work together regardless. And you, you know yourself, you know, regardless of the field you work in, when you're working with someone else who's elite, you can glean other ideas, uh, other, you know, other ways of doing things, different approaches. And obviously because these two are both in, in combat sports, when they have come together, it's been really beneficial. But... I, I, I'd have to say um, I think David's build-up to to this 
games in terms of the work he's got and his, his opportunities to, to go overseas and, and compete and be a part of, of different camps has been limited. Um, so that's going to be you know one of the keys for him is uh, if you like, well, I wouldn't say getting fit on the job because he'll be fit, but getting fight sharp on the job. That's why it's important for him to uh, you know, do well in this fight, get three good rounds so he can shake off some of those cobwebs. It's uh, 11 minutes past 10 here on SENZ. We're talking to uh, Mike Angove, who really is a respected uh, boxing aficionado, former kickboxing world champion himself and uh, coach at the City Kickboxing Gym at the moment. Uh, he's uh, mentored the likes of Israel Adesanya and we're talking about David Nico, who fights this afternoon against a Moroccan opponent. Uh, look, uh, Mike, in terms of uh, the elite, uh, he's mixed also and, and spent some time with uh, Joseph Parker, hasn't he? Yeah, well, that, well, that was a good opportunity for him as as well. Uh, something that um, you know, I, I I know talking briefly to Joe, he enjoyed, um, and you know, leading into the junior far fight, <laughs> in actual fact, there, 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 look, there was a little bit of banter between camps, but you know, it is what it is. To be honest. Um, you know, uh, Joe uh, wanted a fast opponent, and da- a fast elusive opponent, and, and David um, applies exactly that. And at the time, with with KB in charge, um, you know, Kim Barry is very, very fitness and conditioning approach. He, he doesn't leave a lot of stones unturned in camp, so that would have given him, um, a, you know, a good look at um, a different style of camp, if, if you like, and also someone who's obviously achieved very well uh, in Joe. Um, so it, it is important, and I think it's important from a New Zealand point of view as well, that you know top athletes like that, um, because we don't have a huge population, they get to work together and get to benefit from uh, you know experience at world-class level. And, and I know David certainly enjoyed it, and Joe did it as well. Uh, Mike Angove, he burst onto the scene, David Nika, uh, back uh, in 2014. He was just a, a kid, a teenager there. He won Commonwealth gold. Uh, what has he done in the ensuing time, and what have you seen develop in that makes you confident that he may well be able to medal this time around? Well, obviously you can't look past. Um, he's got a lot of tournament success. He's got uh, two Commonwealth Games gold medals, so that's, that's well banked. Uh, he's also competed at that top level for for a very long time. Um, you know, he's no longer a, a green kid. He, he's a seasoned fighter, and he's a seasoned international performer at the very, very highest level. Um, and his losses have been to guys ranked, you know, number ones, two and three. And often, I, I've got to say, I've looked at them and I thought they could have quite easily gone the other way. Um, the other aspect was he obviously uh, went up into the uh, the 91 kilo weight category, and that took him some time to develop to to build into his frame, um, to get the conditioning and the movement that you require. Um, it's not so easy just just to put on weight. Um, your your body needs to catch up, and then your nervous system needs to catch up. So that's something that that he's done over time. Um, he's also starting to sit down on his shots a little bit more, and you do need that. Um, one of the early signs, of early uh, uh, problems for him was where you, often in the third round in close fights when uh, big, stronger men would just walk through him and, and pressure him. 
um, you know, that, that at, at the highest level, and that kind of just offset him a little bit. And he's learned how to deal with that well. So, so now going into you know this fight, this Olympics, he, he's very, very well set. Just finally, Mike, um, a medal chance for you? A, a decent medal chance? Oh, he's more than a medal chance. Um, you know, he, 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 you know, at that level, let's, let's first say, at that level, you know, there, any one of eight guys could get it. He's ranked number four. Um, he's quite capable of beating any of them on the day. He's superbly conditioned. He's inordinately talented. Um, there's no one else really like him in terms of slickness in the tournament. Depending on who, who he faces, um, depending on his run into the tournament, you know, he, he's very much a, a chance at, at not just a medal, but, um, you know, a gold medal. And I know David would, you know, while an Olympic medal is great, um, you know, a gold medal is, is something that he wants. He, he's not there, you know, he's not there to to be an also-ran, if, if you like. He is there with a very firm focus on, on gold. And, uh, you know, I think for him, he would be disappointed with with anything less than that. Mike Angove, and you're confident, I feel confident, uh, and so I will be glued this afternoon when uh, our very own David Nika takes to the ring against Yunz Bala from Morocco. So step one, just one step at a time, Mike, but uh, we'll look forward to him this afternoon. Hey, thanks very much for your time. I know you're a busy busy bloke uh, with what you're doing, but uh, it's great to get your insight uh, into his chances this afternoon. Thank you. No problems, my pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Mike Ango, what a <coughs> what a legend he is. We used to throw that word legend around a lot, but he is. I mean, and you only have to listen to him uh, commentate and talk about boxing, kickboxing, etc., to know full well uh, he is uh, number one in New Zealand when it comes to that. Right. Speaking of uh, high-powered guests, we've got uh, Nicky Styrus coming up on the panel and uh, Patrick McKendry as well. So. That's a nice little mix coming together. Ah, that's coming up very shortly. 88.33, what chance, David Nika, do you reckon in the boxing this afternoon? 88.33. Also, you could maybe text us uh, also about Stephen Adams, who's now no longer uh, going to be a Pelican. He's going to be a Grizzly. Uh, traded this morning, we understand, in the NBA. 0800 150 811 is our phone number. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Really cool panel this morning, folks, here on SENZ. It's 10.22. First of all, Nikki Styrus is with us, TV host, writer, anchor, former beauty queen, model, highly accomplished (laughs) trampolinist, and the unenviable task of looking after husband Scott. Pat McKendry is also with us, celebrated rugby writer, columnist for the New Zealand Herald, and a media manager, former media manager for the Crusaders, which makes him a regular winner. Good morning to you both. Nikki, first of all, I shall go to you. Uh, you would have uh, absolutely been uh, an athlete yourself. You would have admired the gut shown in particular by Hayden Wild yesterday. Well... Good morning to you both. Uh, first of all, absolutely. Um, I think I got a few strange looks from people around Newmarket because I was actually on a day off from work and I had my Sky Go on and I was walking around the streets with the Sky Go on and my AirPods and watching every every step of that triathlon, just you know, willing them on. I think people were about to commit me to some sort of asylum because they thought well, I was a little bit loose in the head, but um, absolutely glued to it. And what a fantastic race he ran. And 
and, and credit to his mate as well, you know, because he obviously um, helped him out, got, got, got them up to the front in that, uh, the swim in the cycle leg, and then Hayden's legs uh, in the run were phenomenal. But the, the bit that was the most, the best part for me was the end when, you know, he broke down and, and, and it just showed that raw emotion of how much it meant to him, how how much he sacrificed and, you know, doing it for his father. And to me, that epitomises the Olympics. That's what it's all about, you know, so people can see how hard they've worked to achieve that elusive medal. So he's absolutely fantastic. Pat McKendry, uh, we saw that, uh, we saw actually Taylor Reid was 18th and that's a highly commended in those sort of conditions, uh, as you're saying, Nikki, that, that was a fantastic effort. Well, Pat, uh, I, I imagine you watched it. You might have also watched Anton, Anton Cooper. He's a, a Christchurch uh, lad, uh, and he was to the fore for a long, long time in, in his bike race. Man, those conditions look tough over there. Uh, g'day, Smithy. Yeah, look, that, that's a, um, that was a course that I wouldn't want to go near, to be honest. It was, it was very technical, very <laughs> steep in parts, and just completely unforgiving. Um, you, you, you'd have no rest on any part of that course, and um, w- what a what a ride by Anton Cooper. He was third at one point um, and looking pretty strong, but he faded slightly at the end to finish sixth. But just a fantastic ride from a, a very talented young man, and you know to see how hard he worked and, and you know how skillful he was on a, on a world stage. I think I think it was inspirational for everyone, and I, I think he said since that it, it's given him a bit more confidence too. So um, yeah. Still big things ahead for, for Anton Cooper. Pat, you're a, a mountain biker yourself. If we look at that course, I mean, it looked manicured, uh, really. It looked spectacular. Just how tough is it when it starts to dry out and it becomes dusty? And uh, and then, of course, you go onto the rocks, which are so unpredictable. We saw a couple of punctures. We saw a, a couple of bad accidents there as yeah. well. Uh, as fatigue sets in, just how tough can that be on your concentration? Oh, in- incredibly tough. Um, and fatigue would set in pretty quickly. These guys were going for an hour and 20, an hour and a half, right on the limit. Um, so aerobically, they would have been suffering just about from near the start. Uh, as I said, there's just no rest. Um, there were, it, was, it was quite sort of sandy as it, as it went on in terms of the loose dirt and stuff. So you just couldn't let up in terms of concentration. Um, it was an artificial course. It was man-made. So... Whoever created it was a bit of a sadist, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, just a very, very tough course. Uh, we saw um, Van der Poel, the Dutch rider, fall off, uh, come off his bike on a drop-off. Uh, he's a very talented rider himself. So it's, that sort of just showed the difficulty of that course. Nicky Storis, the fact that we're actually talking about performances, results, medals, etc., tends to suggest to me that... Uh, uh, the athletics is now taking over in Tokyo as opposed to the virus from, from our point of view. Is that the way you read it? <laughs> Look, I think um, I was listening to your panel the other day and we talked about the Olympics and the fact that it probably should not have gone ahead. But like everybody, once the actual sports begin, it does take over. It consumes you, especially if you're a sport lover. And I think, too, they have handled this so well. Um, their protocols, the systems they have in place, um, they're protecting the athletes. And, you know, the one thing that I I was talking about it with Scott this morning, one of the uh, silver linings, I guess, of this virus at the Olympics is that 
the media has had to go uh, outside the box to, to bring these stories to the world. Um, and we've seen that by uh, the media going to the families, going to the schools, um, being there to experience with the families that emotion when, when their athletes, when their children, when their brothers, sisters, fathers, whatever, you know, get a medal. And that is one thing that I have absolutely loved out of this, watching the Claire Burt family, um, you know, that the family in Tunisia of uh, Ahmed Hafnawi. I mean, they, they were, I don't know if you saw the video of his family just going absolutely nuts when he won that 400 metres freestyle. Um, and I think that that has taken over what is, you know, has been a dreadful part of the lead up to this Olympics and whether it was even going to go ahead. And that's what I'm hoping to see so much more of, you know, as this game progresses. Pat, the sevens kicked off yesterday, and uh, obviously, uh, from the men's point of view, they were comfortable wins in the end. Um, but uh, they just—I'm not sure if they look that dynamic at the moment, or whether they're just uh, keeping their powder dry. Yeah, uh, look, I agree. Although, to be fair, Australia haven't gone that well either, have they? Um, they're in trouble of missing out in the quarterfinals. Um, and Fiji have looked a little bit wobbly. They struggled against Japan, I think, in their opener um but the kiwis yeah look they've, they've got um two win, two good wins on the board in terms of points differential which sets them up quite nicely ahead of today's game against australia um but i, I think you're right smithy i think they are lacking maybe a little bit of creativity um certainly they they have uh strength and power uh and and they display that often by by competing so much at the breakdown which is a real trademark of theirs but i, I just think they are missing a little bit and uh, i tweeted yesterday that I, I just think that they are relying a lot on tim mickelson a 35 year old who is um still at the peak of his powers uh in terms of creating things and finishing things so look they he's looming as a very very important part of that team and hopefully he stays fit and healthy uh for the rest of it. Nikki, uh, we look at uh, the women's uh, sevens teams. Uh, they're hot favourites in my mind and everyone's mind. The way that they have prepared, the way they look, uh, are they your gold medal guarantee? <laughs> oh, you'd have to say they'd definitely be right up there, you know, next to your uh, Carringtons of this world. But uh, absolutely, look, they're, they're a class act and they've shown that time and time again. I, I just hope that they've had enough preparation. I hope that the conditions don't take its toll as they have, you know, we've seen um, with, with other sports people already. But, you know, they are professional and, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that they are definitely yeah, gold medal front runners. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that campaign. I'm looking forward to you guys staying with me. Uh, it's Nikki Styrus and Pat McKendry. We're going to take a news break, but uh, they're going to... Kind enough to stay with us. We've got a couple of emotive subjects to talk about, uh, which uh, New Zealand might have a fair say about uh, on the other side of the break as well. Uh, here's Trudy with the news at 10.30. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Yeah. 10.33 here on SENZ. We're right in the middle of the panel and uh, fascinating discussions have been already. Uh, Nikki Styrus with us and Patrick McKendry. Right, first of all, Let's uh, talk about Roger Tuovasa-Shek, uh, Nicky Styrus, a huge, huge league, league fan. You are in agreement with him uh, getting that dispensation to come home early? Absolutely not. I actually think it's the most wow. disappointing thing I've heard out of the Warriors camp uh, in recent times. Um, and, and look, 
here's my here's my reasons. Um, you know, this is professional sport. Roger has been a fantastic, fantastic um, person for the Warriors Club. He leads by example. Um, he's an exemplary character, but I just think this is where he's let himself down. He's on a million dollars a year. He's a professional sportsman. He should be seeing out this contract. To me, it's just it reeks of we are not going to make the top eight. We have thrown in the towel. Yeah, Roger you can go home early. And I think it's poor from the club. I think it's poor from Roger. And I think that the NRL needs to stop people breaking the NRL contracts. It happens too often. And basically, what is the value of a contract if you can walk away from it so simply? We all knew he was going to rugby. That was a given. So see out the six weeks. Do your club proud. Do your fans proud. The people that have been watching and sticking by this club through more thin than thick and... You know, I tell you what, it's even getting a tough watch for me at the moment, and now I'm even more disappointed, um, and they are, they are slowly losing me over this. So, you know, I mean, people go, oh, yes, but he won't see his family. Well, go and look at the American sports. They're a classic example. Basketball, baseball, football, you can be traded in an instant. You, you have no say in that. You can be traded to Canada, and you up and you're gone. Um, you know, look at look at Stephen Adams this morning. He's talking. He's being traded from uh, you know New Orleans to Memphis. It's up, go. What about if your family's sitting in New Orleans now? You know, that's part of professional sport, and that is why they are paid so well. And so, I personally, I think it's wrong, and I'm really disappointed about it. Well, thanks very much for those thoughts. I mean, that that's a different take on uh, what we've heard from the league people themselves. But that's cool. Uh, I like that. Pat McKendry, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck. Okay, apart from the fact that he's coming home early, he's coming home early, I would imagine, also to get prepared to play rugby. Uh, will it work, in your mind? We've seen it with Benji Marshall in the past. It was an epic fail. How do you think Roger tuivasa Sheck, with a bit of a more rugby background to him, will go? Yeah, look, um, great points by Nicky. Um, and I, I completely understand that point of view uh, in terms of... Um, Roger having to to see out the rest of his contract, but I, I just find it a little bit hard to to get upset upset about it. To be honest, I think um, he couldn't have given any more to the Warriors, um, and I think he he deserves to to put himself first for a change and and to come home, see his family, and prepare for the, the next part of his career, which is initially going to be with Auckland uh, in the NPC, and they they kick off a week on Sunday, I think, um, at Eden Park with a big game against Canterbury. So. In terms of how he's going to go, look, I, I think he's going to go pretty well. He's, he's, a, he's a massive talent. He's got pace. He's got everything that an outside back needs. Um, I, he's not going to be a Benji Marshall type player um, because he's not going to be a playmaker as such. He's not going to play at first five or anything like that. So he's going to be more of a finisher, I think. Uh, I think he's going to go pretty well, and I hope he does. Um, fantastic talent, um, hard worker, an inspirational figure, um, and I hope he gets the success he deserves. News coming through this morning, Pat, about Shannon Frizzell. Uh, they're looking for an adjournment in that case. He's been charged with assault on a female, um, amongst a, a couple of other things. Uh, what do you think New Zealand rugby should do here? Should they take the league? I mean, uh, the NRL, they're very proactive on these issues. Uh, what, what should happen? Yeah, look, um, a strange one, I think, because this, these alleged incidents happened back in May. And Shannon Frizzell named in the All Blacks uh, squad in July to play uh, Tonga and Fiji. He, he started in Dunedin against Fiji and came off the bench against Fiji and Hamilton. 
despite this thing hanging over him, um, I, I just find the whole thing bizarre. Um, in particular, because story published yesterday um, featuring a representative from New Zealand Rugby saying they hadn't even spoken to Shannon uh, to get his side of the story, which I just find staggering. Um, you know, I think I, I would have thought that would be the, the first thing they would have done to get to the bottom of actually what happened. So for him to play in two tests with this thing hang, hanging over him um, and potentially sort of to continue as normal in the rugby championship and let us like up, I find it bizarre. Nikki Styrus, your thoughts? Did I not just uh, see a notification to say that he received diversion in court this morning? He's about to, by the sounds of it, yeah, and I scratched my head yeah. on that a, a little bit myself, actually. Um, uh, look, and look, I, and I'm unsure um, myself, but I did see something on that, and if that's the case, then basically, you know, this will be dealt with outside of the courts. Um, it's either deemed not... He's a first offender by the court, and they, they deem it not serious enough to um, give him a conviction and, and potentially ruin, you know, his life going forward, and, and you you do have to sit there and think, well, okay, I don't know much about the actual case, a little bit like panel, but sort of bewildered by it all. Um, if it was something serious, then you do have to sit there and go, well, look, is that is that the court showing preferential treatment to an all black? However, if it is a first-time offender and isn't a serious thing, then, then, then hey, great that they've taken the stance on that and they are giving him an opportunity to, to uh, continue his career. Um, but make no mistake, the All Blacks will always put their brand first. You know, they will always protect their brand first before the person, and then once that's uh, protected, then they will look to, to, to help out the player in trouble. Uh, just finally, and a question for both of you. I'll get your quick thoughts on it. Uh, I've asked everyone that's come on, actually. Laurel Hubbard, yes or no? Uh, for you, Nikki Styrus. No. No, I think it's unfair on the other female athletes. Um, I think that Laurel has a physical and psychological advantage that just makes it an unfair playing field. Um, she's competed as a man for several years. That gives you a psychological advantage. And she's still got those uh, physical attributes that she's developed over the years, even though that she has gone through that transgender uh, change. And I just think that... It will be very interesting to watch, that's definitely for sure, because I think, she, you know, she's damned if she doesn't, she's damned if she doesn't. she wins, there'll be an outlaw, and if she loses, it'll be like, what was all the fuss about? But, you know, so I, I, I personally think, no, she shouldn't be competing, but that's a tough one, isn't it? Pat McKendry, where do you stand on the issue? I mean, everyone's having a go. Look, I, I, I think no. Um, I consider myself a pretty liberal guy. I'm certainly not anti-trans, um, but I think it's, as Nikki said, I agree. I think it's unfair on the other competitors. Um, Laurel has, a, a, you know, their, their background in terms of strength um, and a, a psychological advantage too, as Nikki said. Um, I, I just think it's unfair on the rest of the field. And, you know, um, this may be a, an issue, an increasing issue as, as we go forward with, um, you know, um, world Championships and Olympics, so maybe we need to think about a separate category, um, but, but as it stands, no, I think it's unfair. Nikki Styrus and Pat McKendry have been our panellists this morning and some wonderful insights and opinions too, and uh, I should just say, Nikki, you've got a uh, fan here because, uh, it, yes, a texter, a hoggy, has come in and said, 
RTS has an obligation to sponsors, etc. This decision is bad on many counts. Would a club like Storm allow it? Warriors continue to fail. That's from Hoggy. So that's uh, a Nicky Styrus supporter. Uh, thanks to Nicky and to Pat <laughs> McKendry. Coming up here on SENZ, uh, we've got uh, Louis Herman Watt. We've got Paul Mawati. Uh, and we've also uh, got a chance for you to send in more text and to call us too, actually, on 0800 uh, 150811. 0800 Back shortly. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.47 here on SENZ, coming up, to, of course, to the 11 o'clock news with Trudy. Texts are coming in on a regular basis. Uh, John Day, you might have an opinion on some of these. Josh says, how much money are the Warriors saving if the immediate release of RTS uh, it goes ahead, which is desperately needed, I guess, on the books. They'll be chewing through money left, right and centre. Uh, even Cameron George admitted to us that uh, times are pretty tough on the balance sheet. Uh, people need to understand what Roger has done before they bag this decision. Uh, when a lot of the other boys come ho- came home last year, he didn't. He also rallied the players to stick it out over there. Uh, it's an unnamed text. Please put your name to the text. So there is a bit of feeling there about uh, Roger coming home uh, early. And also, uh, we've got this one uh, on the Shannon Frizzell issue, uh, John, which is uh, quite interesting, also unnamed. But New Zealand rugby is an absolute disgrace. They're constantly letting guys who beat women off the hook. Severis shouldn't be anywhere near the All Blacks, and Shannon should just never play for them again. Our justice system is a joke. No wonder we have a massive domestic violence problem in the country. It is an emotive subject, John. It certainly is, Smithy. Um, and don't forget to call us as well. Uh, caller of the month, you can win an All Blacks experience, 0800 150 811, thanks to Ballpark Entertainment. Um, yeah, that is an interesting one. We don't know the details of Shannon Frizzell's case, Smithy, and um, it looks like he is going to get diversion if he uh, completes a few courses, um, does some reparation payments, voluntary work, restorative justice meetings. So by the sounds of it, it wasn't a terrible Assault, but at the same time, I guess assault's assault. So case by case basis for me, and I just wish New Zealand rugby would front foot these types of things. They're always, you know, um, Pat McKendry mentioned before, New Zealand rugby haven't even contacted Shannon Frizzell. This happened in May. You know, um, they're always saying better people first, that's so they choose, and then good rugby players after that. Well, the Severe Reese one was bad. That was that was a bad case of assault. Um, he went down to the Crusaders, uh, apparently hasn't touched booze since, has changed his life completely, but New Zealand rugby never front-footed that one either. They're just, they, they don't want to touch these issues with a 10-foot barge pole because they're emotive. And how do you defend people like Severe Reese? You know, uh, publicly. So they leave it out to play for our callers, for our panel, for me. Uh, it isn't my domain, Smithy. This is New Zealand Rugby's domain. It's their employees. I want to hear from New Zealand Rugby. Like, don't we want good people in the All Blacks? What is there, no dickheads policy? Some of these guys uh, have been dickheads. Good men make good All Blacks, I think. Uh, good men make good All Blacks is uh, one of the uh, doctrines that they, they run with. Uh, they'll be highly embarrassed by the whole deal. There's no doubt about it. But, you, you, you know... You're probably right. Uh, I guess they were looking to it to uh, play out on the courts. Well, <coughs> it's effectively done that. Um, and uh, what uh, is going to happen to Shannon Frizzell will be made very public uh, either later today or, or even now. To be fair, you might be able to catch up on it. But And they may uh, they may come up with something from uh, New Zealand rugby. Uh, and in terms of that, I think Chris Lindrum is in charge of that kind of thing. I think he's the spokesman 
uh, when it comes to player sort of issues on, on that score. Uh, so uh, what's the frequency in Tauranga is another text that we got through. We, the best way to find out, folks, is to download the app. Download the SCNZ app and all the information there about frequencies as you travel around the country in your car, whatever, are uh, on that app. Uh, so if you go from region to region it's in, and it doesn't car, it actually cuts out uh, as the frequency gets weaker and weaker. Uh, just uh, log into the cap uh, to, to the app, uh, and that's a SENZ app. Uh, speaking of caps, I think he was wearing one this morning. Louis Herman Watt uh, will join us very shortly, and that's courtesy of uh, the bloodstock issues, and of course uh, that is also with loveracing.nz. And uh, Louis's got his finger on the pulse. He is with the boy when the boys get paid, and Louis has been getting paid lately. The voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing Update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Which brings our resident highway jockey into play this morning, Louis Herman Watt, courtesy of loveracing.co. Uh, well, sorry, loveracing.new Zealand. Uh, good morning, Louis. Uh, again to you. You've had a busy morning already. Yes, m- morning, Smithy. Uh, good to be with the doyen and a highweight jockey. I am, I'm probably even too heavy for that these days, or a jumps jockey, and I am stupid, but I'm not that stupid. Hey, Smithy, Danielle Johnson, one of New Zealand's leading athletes, uh, premiership leading jockey, she hit 150 wins in the weekend at Tarapa when she rode yep. Gerda and It Might Be You. Huge achievement. You know, she's over 60 wins, 63 wins to be exact, from her nearest rival in the premiership jockey ranks. You can go have a look at this on loveracing.nz. Got me thinking, if we were taking three jockeys to the Olympics, who would it be? For New Zealand, for me, Danielle Johnson's in it. Opie Boston, there is only one, and James McDonald, probably the best jockey in the world. They're my three. Who are you taking? Well, you, you really, you, <laughs> you stole my thunder, really, didn't you? I mean, if you're going to take, uh, and James, of course, is New Zealand born, so he's certainly, uh, he's number one, James James McDonald, he's a Kiwi, so he represents us. Um, uh, Danielle Johnson, would I take Danielle Johnson? Ah, oh, you'd have to, wouldn't you, on form? She's uh, an absolute winner, uh, little Danielle, so... Uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, yes, she is an absolute winner. So we will take Danielle Johnson. And my goodness me, apparently she'd be a lot of fun too after, uh, at the uh, <laughs> the post-match uh, celebrations. A lot of fun. Uh, she, she likes a drink and a good time, does Danielle. So um, I, I think I'd have her uh, as well. Uh, Opie well, also quite likes a, a celebration as well, Opie Bosson. So, yeah, I think I think you pretty well nailed it. I, I can't think of anyone else. Hard luck to Lethal. That, uh, I'd, I'd want on the plane. Uh, Leith? Hard no, luck. mate, not Leith Innes. <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> Leith Innes. See you, Smithy. Not even, not even in the top 10, I'm afraid, Leith Innes. Might take Jess. Jess Innes. Take Jess Innes, yeah, but not Leith Innes. That's for sure. Okay, right. Uh, thanks very much for your input there, Lewis. Uh, that was short and sharp. Loveracing.nz. Uh, headed straight to the TAB now. Uh, with Paul Mawati and Paul Mawati, I've got a text for you. Can you ask Paul where the odds for the rowing have gone and when they will be back up, please? Smithy, I've got a uh, confession to make. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it should be Paul Mawati on the line. Um, but uh, I went to what call him and he said, 
Producer John, you've got it completely wrong. It's supposed to be Brendan Popperwell today from the TAB. So that's on me, Smithy. Uh, apologies to the TAB. Download their app. You'll get all the information you need. I've made another mistake on the show, another cross next to my name. I think I'm two strikes now, Smithy. One more and I'm gone. Yeah, and well, that could be this morning, the way you're going. Goodness <laughs> me. Yeah. What's going on there? Talk about sell me a dummy. What? Gone. Gone. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 11.03 here on SENZ, uh, the new team in town. And uh, I'm pleased to say joining the team right now is uh, Carl Tanana. Now, Carl Tanana is uh, synonymous with the seven sport in this country. He was one of the great pioneers and some of our early great team, so he's an expert on that subject. He's a World Series commentator, uh, but more importantly to me anyway, he's a great mate and uh, a teammate of mine at Sky TV, and uh, both he and I share the sideline duties in international matches, so uh, hopefully we've got a bit of work coming up, KT. Uh, good morning to you, mate. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning, Smithy. Hey, it's awesome to hear your voice back on the sports radio too, bro. It's awesome. Yeah, we're loving it, actually, uh, bringing sport back to New Zealand people. Uh, KT, the sevens kicked off yesterday, the men's uh, side of things anyway. Uh, on, on paper, it looks pretty good. 50-5 to five over Korea, 35-14 over 14, uh, over Argentina. But was it as pure as that in, in the way you were looking at it? Um, I think I'm not surprised with the first result in terms of uh, Korea. You know, the Korea is always going to struggle against uh, this level of, of, of um, teams. They haven't been on the World Seven Series uh, as yet, so to be put in the Olympics uh, when the teams are at their peak, you know, it's always going to be a tough ass for them in that pool. So that, that was a good shakeout for the lads. But I think the the second game, Argentina, people don't realise Argentina are a legitimate threat now, you know, and the way they play, they actually match up quite well against New Zealand. They're very physical. And uh, we saw New Zealand, uh, if they miss one-on-one tackles, they, they got exposed and Argentina got a couple of easy tries, you know. So I'm sure that's what leaders spoke about. I was having a chat with uh, with one of the boys last night after the game and, um, you know, they they, they, um, they knew where they mucked up and, and um, I think Argentina they play quite close in terms of they, they, they like to step back and, and use their physicality and play in those short corridors so um, it sort of we struggled to, to deal with that initially but uh, once the lads sort of um, were able to take control of the pace of the game in particular and hold the ball like they have on the 7 series, they, they end up getting a comfortable win but uh, that, that's a good shakeout for the lads coming to this Aussie team who, who their Olympic um, campaign's on the line. So this is going to be tough for this next one up for them. Well, they finished fifth in Rio five years ago, and that, I'm sure, was under par in terms of their own expectations. Clark Laidlaw is now at the helm of the team. Uh, he's turned things around quite nicely. The, the World Cup champs, the Commonwealth champs, the World Series champs. Uh, what has been the difference under his tutelage, mate? I think he's um, allowed the players to have a lot more say in how the team um, was run. Um, Titch was, was, was very matter-of-fact, and it was Titch's way. And it worked for a long time, so you can't sort of um, you can't question that. But I think Clark's brought, brought in fresh ideas. He's really got the team connected in terms of um, taking them to a marae and getting them there. There's no TVs. You've got to actually talk to each other and get off your devices. And um, they, they, they connect us to the land and where they're from. They've got a um, couple of tongue They've got a media for them which they take out um, before each game, and that'll, that'll be given to the the, be, the best defensive player uh, from the previous game. So they've added these new little elements um, to their team and, and to the structure and, and, and 
into the, the whole program and, and they needed a shake up and a freshen up and I think that's what Clark's done I'd, I'd say most of these he's freshened, freshened the whole system up and it seems to be working for this new crew You're a speedster in your time uh, and that used to be the pattern of sevens was to, to find the overlap give it to the quick guy uh, and it was all over Red Rover these days uh, I think it, the game's a little bit more technical than that Carl and, and we don't appear to have genuine speedsters but we do have uh, a strength at the breakdown and and other more traditional areas of rugby. Yeah, I think that's what they figured out the game plan was. Um, when when I was playing, we had the likes of Roger Randall and Brady Fleming, who were extreme speedsters. You know, Joe Rokothoko there for a while, and Siti Sidivivatu also, who was amongst the mix. And then you chucked out a Jonah Lomu or a Christian Cullen or a Caleb Ralph out there. So we used to have those guys. We haven't had that for a long time. So I think it took us a little while to, to realise that wasn't our game plan anymore. And they've figured out they're not, they're not going to run around teams, but what they can do is they can control a breakdown, which we've normally traditionally been very good at. I think uh, this year and the last year in particular, um, we are great at the breakdown. They tried that against Argentina. They missed out a couple of times, but that's where New Zealand really dominated. And, this, and the, the World Series just gone while they were champions. And, and I think that's just the road that we are now. They, they have a couple of moves to, to, to be deceptive in the midfield and what have you, or they bounce back the blind and use their ball players to set up and then open up the other side of the field. So that's that's the that's, that, that's the lot of it. I think that's the game plan for New Zealand. They like controlling the ball. I think we know they're not scared to go backwards. And Tomasi Farmer's been a big um, part in this and, and the way this is structured. They'd rather go back 30 metres and wait for an opening and then attack and go from there. So I think that's probably uh, been the biggest change in terms of attack, Smithy, that, uh, yeah, we're not going to run around teams, but we're going to be physical, and if we're not physical, we'll keep it away from the team, wait till they get tired, and then we'll uh, pick our moment to go. 11.08 here on SENZ. We're talking to uh, Carl Tanana, of course, uh, synonymous with the Sevens game, but also now with Sky Television and very much part of the Fifteens game as well. Uh, um, KT, Andrew Newstub, uh, <coughs> he seems to be making pretty big strides in terms of being a competent playmaker. How... Have you been impressed by him? Yeah, I mean, he's, he always punches above his weight. I'll be honest, he's such a, he looks so skinny, but um, he's actually really tough. And what I like about him, he backs himself, and he's not scared to kick, Smithy. And, and, and a lot of people we just spoke about New Zealand like to um, like the whole position. He's a guy that, if it's on, he'll kick. And now I think that's a good change that we saw it against Argentina for Warbick's try. Uh, he, he kicked it through, no one was expecting it. He backed himself one, it drew defenders, and he realised the situation. He put that little kick through, and, and Warbrick, um overtook him on the outside but I think that's the thing with Stubby and he's got great vision and he's a confident player and, and, and he's really good really really good at, a re, at his restarts and that's um, gold in the, in the game of sevens if you, if you can uh, recollect your restarts then that, that's, that's half, the, half the drama so I think with him he's really come on and, he, and he's it's taken him a little while to acclimatise and, and solidify his, his spot but him and Mugabe Black are uh, playing for those playmaker roles but they're two very different players so I think that's the thing Clark's gone for. There's, there's a lot of guys that um, are utilities rather than specialists, and it's probably why we saw Caleb Clark not uh, not get the nod. Australia today then, KT, as you mentioned before. What uh, are you expecting there that we perhaps didn't see from Argentina and uh, Korea? I, I think the defence, I think New Zealand knows if they give Aussie a sniff, that they're a team that's uh, a confident side. So if, they, if Aussie get a sniff, they'll be a... Tough nut to crack. So New Zealand can't slip off tackles. I'm sure that's, that's been the word. Don't leak any points defensively. Step it up and then just monster them. Be physical at the breakdown. And once again, they're not going to run around Australia, but they can run through them. And they'll go to set piece. I think they'll just um, slow it down, dominate position. Don't give Aussie a sniff. Just, just try and um, strangle them. And uh, I think that'll be the main aim for them, just, just to get their number one spot and keep the ball and, and, and 
um, really use their big men to, to, to good effect to just to just outmuscle the Aussies. And if they do that, they know they'll they'll come on around the right side of the ledger. KT, uh, if you look at history, the, the countries like South Africa, Fiji, Great Britain tend to be there or thereabouts when it, it comes to the, the tough end of the competition. Are you expecting that to be the case uh, in Tokyo? Can you see a real smoky coming from uh, from outside? Uh, what have you and what have you made of those uh, those countries' performances to this point? I think it's going to be tough. I mean, Great Britain haven't leaked a point yet, and, and it's quite interesting. Maybe they haven't picked a forward in their squad. They've got all back, so they know um, it's all about speed for them, and, and they know they really uh, were disappointed that none of the home nations have won anything for a long time on, on the circuit. So they've had a real think about things, and um, yeah, their makeup's very different, and it'll be interesting to see how teams will approach them because no one's obviously been able to break their defence, and that's obviously something they've gone back, looked at, and, and laid their head on. So... Um, I think they'll definitely be up there for sure. Um, South Africa, a lot. But it's a funny one. I was watching them yesterday, and they don't look on point. They've had a tough time of it. Obviously, their coach Neil Powell, I had to leave the village uh, getting the COVID, so he's doing it remotely. So it'll be interesting to see because you know better than most being in an international sport. When you need the heat of the moment, you're looking for someone to go to. You want your coach to give you a couple of words and insights, but he's not there to do it on the ground, even though he's doing it remotely. So. Uh, it's, it's, I don't think they look as fluid as they normally do with with him not there. So um, that's going to be a real internal one for them to to get over. Um, the Kenyans, I reckon, the Kenyans actually went all right yesterday. It'll be interesting to see because um, I think whoever whoever they between them and Ireland, I think will go through as the best quali- best losing qualifier. And both of those teams um, could beat anyone. The, the Irish, I reckon, they've been a couple of points away on, a, uh, on their first two games. So I think if they're able to get uh, Con, uh, Jordan Conroy free on the outside who, who scored the most tries in the seven series last year. I think they'll, they'll be the one that, for me, will come through. Everyone's looking at the States. I don't think they play particularly well. Um, so I, I actually think the Irish team, if they're able to sneak through and get to a quarterfinal, I reckon they'll upset someone. Just looking a little bit further forward, uh, you've been obviously following uh, the progress and the preparation of uh, the women's Black Fern Sevens. Are they a lock for gold for you this far out? I mean, a lot of people are saying they're a guarantee for gold. Is it as simple as that? Nah, nah not at all, Smithy. I mean, um, the, Americans, the American ladies always uh, match up well against the Kiwis. And, and, and I know, know I'm talking to a lot of girls, and I know they're preparing hard, and uh, they've, they've had a go against the Aussies. But um, it's, it's never like that. And you, and you know that better than most being in a top-level sport. So... Um, I think obviously they'll be there or thereabouts. So they'll be a medal contention. It's just what colour. So um, the French uh, are a very good side. They they match up well against the Kiwis. The Canadians are very good also. I spoke about the US and we can't forget the Aussies. They've got a couple of young players that they introduced against the Kiwis uh, when we played them here and then we played them in Townsville. So I wouldn't sleep on them as well. But I just think the motivation, the internal motivation from last uh, from the last Olympics with Rio has been the driver for this Kiwi team and. Yeah, sure, they look good against uh, Aussie, but it'll be um, interesting to see how they how they uh, plant up against styles they haven't uh, had a had a go against for for quite a while. Just leaving the the sevens alone and the Olympics alone for a second or two. Have you got any idea any idea what now we're looking at uh, in terms of uh, the international rugby season involving the All Blacks? Have, have, can you plan it? Have, I mean, to me, uh, it looks like August the seventh is a goer. After that, I got no idea, Carl. I was just talking about Archie the same Smith, same Smithy. But uh, what I hear today, they're talking about uh, moving up to a Sunday or something, and 
or something like that. So oh, who knows? You know, it's 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 rough. It really is rough eh, for the for the teams to be able to prepare. And I mean, I was looking forward to it. Quay Cooper was amongst the mix I was reading as well. So it would have been, um, uh, you know, cool seeing him uh, going back to back. So. Man, I asked, I asked the boss, Marcus Kennedy. He just gave me the note. He didn't he hasn't replied, so who knows? <laughs> uh, that's that's okay. That means he's, at least that means he might be uh, head down, bum up. But uh, here's the uh, there's uh, talk. Uh, I think and it may have had confirmation this morning that the All Blacks will play the USA in Washington on October the twenty third. How's your passport? Oh, I, Smithy, I, I was I was uh, I was enjoying myself down Queenstown, and I and I saw it come through, so I I put a message in there straight away. Oh, I'm available, available. I'll carry waters. It doesn't matter. My my son actually he just he just finished playing there for for Old Glory DC, and he, he loved the place. And um, you know it's it's awesome for the for the for the All Blacks to be able to go back over there, and obviously went to um to, to Chicago and stuff. So so for, to go to Washington, which is a pretty staunch rugby um fraternity there, so it'll, it'll get a huge following. Uh, that's for sure. So it, um, it, it's a good time to go over. The U.S. is the new frontier, as they say. So it would uh, be good to get the All Blacks in there early and uh, get, a, get a good run against the U.S. He actually played all right against the English um, and took it on, you know, when they went up there. So so, it's, so they're getting mm. a good little top-level footer as well, exposed to that. KT, always a pleasure talking to you socially or business-wise as well. So uh, thanks very much. Keep your phone on, brother, because uh, I've I got a feeling that uh, we're going to get uh, a lot of success out of our Sevens teams and... I can't think of a better man to share it with than you on air. So thanks very much for your time this morning. And it's Australia this afternoon. That's the next hurdle. Thanks, mate. Awesome, Smithy. Thanks, my man. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah, cheers. That's uh, Carl Tanana, a wonderful bloke, actually. 88.33 uh, is our text. We've got uh, two or three coming in, some emotive ones as well. You've got feelings on Frizzell. You've got uh, feelings on other matters uh, involving uh, the All Blacks and rugby. And uh, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck's been high on the agenda as well this morning. So uh, 88.33, keep them coming in. You've got a chance to stump Smithy shortly as well. Uh, 0800 150 811 is the number for that. Uh, uh, they've been pretty successful, the people ringing in, to be fair. I haven't, uh, two or three shutouts haven't even had a, a chance to display my all-round sporting knowledge. So... Uh, it's, that opportunity is coming up as well. In fact, uh, the, the switchboard is already lighting up, I can see. So we'll take a, a short break and uh, play, pay for the station, as they say in the trade. I've heard a number of people say that over the years. I've always wanted to say it myself. We're going to pay for the station right now. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.22 here on SCNZ. Uh, keep the calls and the texts coming in. We've got Dean on the line from Dunedin. Thanks for being patient, Dean. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about uh, the Sevens team, I believe? Yeah, I do, mate. Uh, firstly, I'd like to pass on my condolences to Izzy and his family. I think that's tragic, and yep. he's a good bugger, so we're all thinking of him. But, yeah, I hear lots of people saying that um, unless... The chosen sport of the Olympics is your world thing, i.e. golf and tennis is the one that get the major razzle for it. But I don't, like, selections, I just like to put it out there. Like, I mean, I know these blokes, some of them have played sevens before, but if Brad Weber, Rico Iwani, even Akira for that matter, the guy Riazzi, and there was one other that I thought would be absolutely outstanding. Well, I wouldn't want to tackle them, so... I'm thinking, do we take it that seriously either? Like, are they actually given an opportunity, do you know? Are they allowed to play, or are their contracts with Super Rugby mean they can't? I mean, I, I just don't know, because I think those blokes I just mentioned, Fiji would hate them. Like, they would just literally hate them running at them. I would. So why, well, why, why aren't they there? 
Richie Mwanga is the other one I was thinking oh, can of. I, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, imagine Richie Mwanga with that sidestep and creating opportunities. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's about, uh, uh, there will be a contractual issue about it, but there's also, I think, a, a degree of personal preference and making a call quite a long way out uh, to fit into the Sevens program. I don't think you just, I mean, Caleb Clark is one, for instance. Caleb Clark, who, who has been an all-black, of course, blue star, uh, he walked away from that to, to take the gamble of trying to get to the Olympics. Of course, uh, he missed out. Uh, he wasn't able uh, to make the cut in the end along with the Villamoni Kōrai, so they weren't part of the side. Uh, but I believe it, it, it's a personal thing. Uh, that I don't think that anyone would ever stop you if you had a quest, a real, a real desire to win the gold medal, uh, Dean. I, I would imagine it's up to personal choice. But for the, the bulk of them, um, they still prefer to think of a World Cup dream um, and, and not giving a, another guy a chance in their position. And, and I can totally understand that. It, uh, it's an interesting one, it really is. But I, I think they've got to be, uh, you've also got to be in a situation where I think you are, you are faithful to the guys who are faithful to that part of the code. And I think that pretty much is, is the way they do it on a whole. But uh, yeah, I, I take your point. I, I really do take your point. Uh, in terms of getting the gold, uh, there probably is a better side available playing 15s. Well, for me, that's what I mean, Smithy. Like, if, if if the pinnacle of sport is the Olympics, which it should be, it has to be. You know, cricket's not there, for example. And congratulations to Yulmov on the way, too. Like, that was unbelievable. Like, don't start me on the 50-over stuff. I, I couldn't believe we even made the final, but well done for that. But that test stuff, they so deserved it, so deserved it. But I just think, Especially when it's a nothing, you shouldn't say nothing yet, but I mean, it's a, what are we doing this year, you know, especially with the way we are. No one knew this, no one foreseen it, but so what? Now that we knew, we knew ages ago that this was possibly going to be the case, those got like, we all know, and good on us, like, they're awesome to watch. I love watching them, but they're just, they're not big enough, they're not strong enough, and Fiji, that's how they play. You can bat Fiji, but that, that, those guys that we just mentioned, they destroy Fiji, destroy them. In my opinion, Richie Mwanga, Brad Thorne yep. made the mistake. He gave man space, and look what he did. Unbelievable super game uh-huh. of rugby. Probably one of the best performances of the team I've ever seen in my life. I look at Clark Laidlaw, and he's the coach of the Sevens team, and he's a selector, obviously. Uh, he, he looks, I look at his resume. Uh, the World Champions, the Commonwealth Champions, and the World Series Champs. So I, I just think... Uh, Dino, uh, thanks for your call, by the way. That he's probably happy with the bunch that he's got, and to a, to a, you know a large degree, he's prepared to run with those guys. Have run with his uh, run with him. Uh, so you know, I think uh, they, they're a very firm unit, and that's the way they're going to stick by. And good luck for them against Australia this afternoon. Uh, Chris from Timaru has called in. Thanks very much for that, Chris. Uh, Roger Tuivasa Sheik is uh, quite an interesting issue. What's your take on it? Um, I think he's left too late. I mean, the next World Cup is, what, 2023? Yep. Um, so he's more or less got, um, one year, one and a half years to make up and, um, get there. But I don't, I don't think he will. But I think what will happen, as you said before, that he'll probably go back to league and um, 
regards to the um, second tier league, Super League in England. He'll play the rest of his career there. Yeah, interesting thoughts, uh, Chris, uh, and there is a, a, a real take on that as well. Um, I often think behind the scenes, who's involved in this decision to make the jump across? I mean, he was earning a lot of money um, for the Warriors. Life was uh, pretty comfortable there. So what is really, who is really behind it? How deep does it go? Is it deep as York and Rugby Union? Is it as deep as the Blues? Does it go even deeper uh, to New Zealand rugby? Um, but I don't think anyone can guarantee anyone an all-black jersey. I don't think anyone can guarantee uh, anyone a World Cup place, particularly this far out. So, Chris, that's a very good point. Uh, has he left it too late? Well, he's going to have... He has a dynamic season. He certainly His name will be in headlights, and certainly he will have uh, a genuine opportunity. Uh, text coming through. Uh, we tried the All Blacks at the 2016 Olympics, and it didn't work. Fifteen players just can't get their body in shape and take a, a lot of work to get back to the 15s. Ask any All Black, and they will say no. Thanks very much, Goose. Uh, really did enjoy that text match coming. Uh, that text coming through. Uh, Shannon should be straight out of the All Blacks as well as Sevi Reese. They banned Aaron Smith for two games for a toilet indiscretion. Uh, Anthony really enjoying the show as well. Yeah, interesting point of view that uh, Anthony. To be fair, uh, on the news th this morning that. Uh, Shannon Frizzell will get diversion and uh, pretty much free to carry on his rugby career by the sound of it. Uh, so, uh, and yeah, John, uh, the message is quite clear that the messages are mixed. Uh, and like on most emotive subjects, to or, to or fro. Um, and I, I'm not sure. I have to sit down and think a little bit longer about the Shannon Frizzell thing. Uh, it's been made public. They haven't hidden behind it in that regard, you know, and they've let the justice take its course in that regard. Um, Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a toughie. Yeah, well, it's public because he was due in court, Smithy. That's the only reason. Uh, they've you know, and they've taken his photo in the dock. He's he's public property, or else it would have been swept under the carpet. I'm sure. Um, with Shannon Frizzell. Uh, you know, um, I just yeah think they can do a better job in that regard in taking a stand. New Zealand rugby. Um, and RTS that is an emotive one as well. You got more texts on that as well, Smithy. Yeah, I have actually. Um, I'm bloody pumped about uh, RTS, says Matt from Blenheim. Can't wait to see him play anywhere, but if his kicking and distribution is up to scratch, he'd make a wicked midfield partner to Rico. Imagine the career he could have in addition to all his league accolades. A Rugby World Cup winner in the UK, gold medalist at Paris Olympics 2024, and maybe even a super title, but uh, I hope not because I'm a Canes man. That's uh, Matt from Blenheim. Sounds like you're Matt from Auckland, actually, putting him alongside Rico Yuani. Has David Harvey not been playing well enough for you, Matt? What's the story there? Sheck will be brilliant at 12 for Auckland. The Blues and the All Blacks can't wait. A true professional who could play for the next six months, uh, six years, sorry, for the next six years in midfield. Cheers, Ken. Ah, oh, interesting. That's uh, Roger Tuivasa Sheck has clearly got a lot of fans and clearly a lot of fans who want to see him in the 15s code as well. 11.30, it's news time with Trudy. Eleven thirty-three here on SCNZ on this Tuesday morning. Time to challenge me. Get on the air, see if you can stump Smithy. 0800 150 811 is the number. You can win... Uh, vouchers from the TAB and uh, invest them wisely. 0800 150 811. 
Uh, John, I mentioned to you uh, before about uh, a little thing I read on Facebook yesterday. I'm not a huge fan of Facebook because there's some terrible stuff goes on and off it, but I, I really thought this was good, so I'm going to read it out to you. Uh, this was uh, put on yesterday. Uh, it's a note to Hayden Wilde. This afternoon when my nine-year-old grandson comes home, I'm going to show him a guy who lost. The guy who came third, the guy who hugged the guy who came second. The guy who kissed first on the forehead and then helped pick him up and carry him off. The guy who cried because his father could not be there in body and only in spirit. Today, we were all blessed. I thought that's a wonderful message, absolutely wonderful message uh, regarding uh, Hayden Wilde and his performance and, and the, the feeling that he had. Uh, and he created throughout the country was very, very warm and, and appreciative of his effort. But by God, did he handle it well. So we hope to see uh, more of those uh, post-match, post-performance uh, interviews today when the, uh, the Olympic uh, Games is on for New Zealanders in action today. Well, Ainsley Thorpe and Nicole Vanderkay, they are struggling in the women's triathlon that's dominated at the moment by Flora Duffy uh, from Bermuda. Uh, men's sevens this afternoon at 1.30, New Zealand against Australia. Uh, Erica Fairweather, what an Olympic she's had, the little girl from Kavanagh College down in Dunedin. Uh, Erica Fairweather, she's at 1.30 in the 200 freestyle. Black sticks against Japan at 2.45. Right throughout the afternoon, uh, uh, Peter Burling and Blair Tuka in action uh, today. Race one of three, that's at 5.50. Keep an eye on that on the Sailing Channel. And Luca Jones in her semi-final and the women's kayak. Just a selection there, I'll just pick some at random uh, from uh, the events coming up for New Zealanders in action today. Dave is on the line from Cambridge. Good morning to you, Dave. Really, you all good, buddy? Yep, very, very good, mate. Very good. And loving the Olympics. Oh, who isn't keeping me up late at night? <laughs> What's on your mind? No, nah, nothing on the mind, mate. I'm here to stump you. All right, okay. Well, you can have a go then. Are we ready for it? Ian Smith's had a good match anyway. here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Ian Smith is certainly top class at his job. His producer, not so good. <laughs> but, uh, you know. No, we'll see, we'll see what's on Dave's mind now then when it comes to your questions, aren't we? We really will. Exactly, well, Dave. All make right, them, mate. You know how this works. <laughs> three sports. Your three sports today are rugby league. Netball and boxing. Which one are you going to go for, Dave? Uh, we'll take the rugby league. I think netball is not my thing. Rugby league. Uh, just just before we get to the questions, what do you make of RTS? Yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Um, he's probably one of the boys, only one of the guys that have come from league to rugby that I think could handle it. Yeah, I think you're um, exactly right. All right, Dave. He's got, he's got some... Quiz time, right, mate. Let's go. All right, Dave. You know how it works. Get three questions right. You win a TAB voucher worth $50, but get one wrong. Smithy gets an opportunity to stump you. So, first question, Dave. Which NRL club has won the most titles in history? Uh, I'm going to say the Rabbitohs. You know your league, Dave. Very good. Uh, any chance that you know how many they've won since 1908? Uh, I'm going to say 21. 
21. Holy moly. Are you a Rabbitohs fan? Uh, I used to be. Man, you're going to be up against it here, Smithy. This is a guy who knows his leg. I don't care. I'm not faced. <laughs> Absolutely not faced. Thanks, Smithy. Make a mistake. To, make a mistake, Dave, at your peril, boy. Make a mistake. That's what I'm worried about, mate. That's what I'm worried about. All right, I like this one. Number two. All right, Dave. Uh, who was the first captain of the Warriors back in 1995? Can you repeat that, sorry, mate? Who was the first captain of the Warriors back in 1995? Oh, geez. 1995. I'm going to say it would be my man, Dave Bell. That's the oh, I can't believe it. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Unbelievable. What a year that was with the fireworks and against the Brisbane Broncos in game one. You're exactly right. Dean Bell, the Kiwi from England, came down with John Mooney and captained the Warriors. So you're a day one fan of the Warriors as well as a Rabbitohs fan? Nah, but that was a bit of a guess, that one. A guess? Holy moly, this is good. Smithy's got his head in his hands. I think he knows he's up against it here. So third question here, Dave, for the win, for the $50 TAB voucher. How many of the current 16 NRL teams are from New South Wales? Uh, can I go through them all? <laughs> yep, you sure can. Or it might be easier to go which ones aren't from New South Wales. Yeah, true that. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Uh, I'm going to say 10. What was that, 10? Yeah, yeah. There he goes, all the way, up into the stand, what a hit in the first tier, that's hitting a cricket ball. You're exactly right, Dave, incredible. Where are you calling from? Uh, Cambridge. Cambridge, I thought it was NRL headquarters, you know that much about the game, that was just incredible, Smithy, you had no chance. Uh, Dave's pretty good actually, and now, now I do know what's on Dave's mind, uh, having asked him what he's calling up for, I now know what it is. It's to take the TAB vouchers and to just emphasise the fact that he is a lead naff, a league naffy, an aerial league naffy. He knows everything about the damn game. <laughs> oh, frustrating. <laughs> well, I'm actually glad you went league instead of rugby union. Oh, good on you, Dave. We'll um, know not to ask you about rugby league in the future because you'll uh, take everything we've got. We won't be able to stay on air. So you talk to uh, Brian, who's going to get your details, and we'll get that $50 voucher to you soon. Beautiful boys, thanks for that. Cheers, mate. Anytime. Gee, Smithy, um, I thought I'd made some hard questions there. I mean, Rabbitohs to win the most titles, you know, and then to get it exactly right with 21, that's freakish. Have you not been sleeping well, John? Did you have a bad sleep last night? Yeah, my, son, my son's sick. Today. No, okay, I was going to say, because you, you, you realise you did ask the Dean Bell question the other day. Did I? Did you not remember that? No, because yeah, I got stumped by it. Ah, I, I see. Said, I said Andy Platt. I said Andy Platt. So it was Dean Bell. So, hey mate, it's it's okay. You know, it's it's a tough time at the moment. We're we're all getting used to things. So yeah, yeah. Cool. Thanks for your support, Smithy. Appreciate it. You know, I'm with you 100, percent mate. 100. Uh, percent Um, really. Uh, Josh Junior is uh, yachting this afternoon. What a great name that is in the fin class for New Zealand. Uh, and we mentioned before we had a great chat with Mike Angove earlier in the day about uh, David Nika, and he's uh, up against Eunice Bala from Morocco. That's time to go at 3.51, and I will take my hat off to uh, people organising at the Olympics. These things tend to go pretty much to the time, almost to the second. They are well and truly onto it, the organising committee over there. Uh, and it's uh, from what we've seen, 
it's been absolutely superb. So Flora Duffy at the moment is leading the women's triathlon. She is a fantastic triathlete, actually. Um, she's got a, a leader around about 40 seconds over Taylor Brown from Great Britain. Um, so it looks like uh, it's going to be a gold medal for Flora Duffy uh, in the uh, Olympics. And uh, she's crossed the line. Here comes Taylor Brown crossing the line. I'm not allowed to give up uh, commentary, so I won't. But, uh, yeah, it's New Zealand out of the frame. And I noticed uh, one of our athletes, I'm pretty sure, just a quick glimpse of uh, a bad fall uh, earlier on in the race. Ainsley, Ainsley Thorpe, I think. So let's hope that she's okay. Uh, some more texts to, to talk about. Um, calls if you want to sneak one in before midday, 0800 150 811. Uh, and also before 12, we'll talk to Staffy, uh, who's going to run the cutter from 12 to 4 this afternoon. Chris from Auckland. Uh, when I talked about David Harvey being a given for the back line, Matt from Blenheim came back to me. Smithy, if I'm completely honest, no, Harvey hasn't been playing consistently well enough for me. When Rico originally indicated he wanted to play 13, I was sceptical. However, I now feel he is the only certainty in our midfield stocks. Again, to be perfectly honest, that is an area of genuine concern for me. Hence why I want to see RTS in there. His hot feet and his ability to break the line are the attributes we need. It will be interesting to see if he can do it from there without the time and space that the fullback position provides. Smithy, imagine Bowden, RTS, Rico and Clark and the rest in that Blues back line. I'm, it's coming home. It's coming home. That's what he's saying uh, about the uh, Super Rugby title that it's coming home to Auckland, uh, and uh, a little sneaky if you're looking to get into our quiz. Uh, apparently, if you use the good old tactic, can you repeat the question? It gives you time to Google the answer. didn't really realise that. JD, you're going to have to look out for that in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was wondering why that last caller was so good, so taking his time and maybe Googling. Um, just looking at Matt's text there, it would have taken him a good two or three minutes to text that. Uh, he should have just called, uh, you know. 0800-150-811, and you can have a chat with Smithy. And if you're the best caller of the month, you win an All Blacks experience thanks to Ballpark Entertainment here at SCNZ. So, you know, lots of texts. We're getting so many texts today about RTS, about the Sevens, about Shannon Frizzell. Uh, people should be calling because there's some great opinions coming through, and you can be a winner. I just see a, a, a story come through on the wire as well from... Uh, England, um, and it's to do with the Ashes, which I'm really looking forward to. Of course, England against Australia at cricket. That uh, starts in November. Uh, England men's players will meet with the England-Wales cricket board as some consider pulling out of this winter's Ashes if their families are not allowed to travel to Australia. Talks between the players, the ECB, and the Professional Cricket Association are due this week. We're going to get the Players Association involved in any of these conversations these days. generally means that the players will win. Uh, Australia has some of the strictest COVID-19 protocols in the world, and there's no problem with that. Players who take part in the T20 World Cup and the Ashes face the prospect of about being away from home for four months. Uh, yeah, OK. The first Ashes test in Brisbane begins, sorry, on the 8th of December. Uh, but the players are due to leave uh, for the UK, leave the UK in mid-September. They would then potentially not return home after the final test in Perth uh, from the 18th of January onwards. Well... Oh, I've got mixed feelings about that one. To be fair, uh, they get pretty well paid, England cricketers. Uh, four months, four months in today's environment. Is four months that tough? 
Uh, some of the people that uh, will be complaining about this will be players who also, of course, play in the IPL uh, of their own volition and other competitions around the world. So, look, I, I, I'm not sure about that. I'm all for, for families uh, being on tour. I'm not sure I want to take my family anywhere where there's a, a, a relatively recent history of COVID. I'm not sure I want to do that. Uh, but, but in all honesty, fellas, bite the bullet on this. Uh, the ashes is the ashes. Um, and really, it's an opportunity that will go missing if uh, you're not prepared to make the sacrifice. Uh, and to be, you know, things are different now. Things are different. It's a COVID society in sport. And that means if we have to make the, the uh, sacrifice to spend time away from our family a little bit more than we're used to these days, then you're just going to have to do it. That's what That would be my message from the ECB. That would be my uh, my message for if I was in charge of the ECB. If you don't want to go, fine. But they are the rules at the moment, and we're doing that for your own good, the good of your families, <coughs> and just for the practicality of the whole thing. Toughen up. Just my view. Sorry about that. Uh, Staffy, shortly. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, not for much longer. It's 11.56. Our text in from Aaron and Patoni. Smithy, the only certainty about the AB's midfield is that Rico should be nowhere near it. <laughs> not organised defensively, struggles to feed his outsides, ALB all round, uh, all day. Although, uh, it'll be interesting to see if RTS does have a future in the position, perhaps. Good on you, Aaron. Uh, look, uh, officially, Nicole van der Kay. Nicole van der Kay, our second triathlete, I think Ainsley thought pulled out after crashing. Nicole van der Kay has finished 29th. Our Olympic updates on Kiwi athletes brought to you by Choices Flooring's Visualizer Room View. It's the easiest way to help you transform your home with new flooring and rugs. Mark Stafford, thanks for joining us uh, just before the break. It's been quite a busy morning. Uh, revelations to come through. First of all, uh, Stephen Adams uh, off to Memphis. Uh, and also Shannon Frizzell. Uh, looks like he's getting diversion from those problems he had in Dunedin. Yeah, interesting, the diversion thing for sports stars, isn't it? Or anyone with, with a high profile, do they get treated differently than you and I? I mean, if I went out and did the same sort of thing, I'd love diversion. So I guess that's a win, Smithy. Uh, Stephen Adams, I called him. He's just a bit tied up today. So he said he'd love to chat, but uh, just can't come to the phone. He's um, got to cook some cook some lunch and that sort of tied him up. So I do have the second best, and that is Bees McCabe, one of the best uh, basketball analysts I know. As soon as I heard that, I said I'm getting Bees McCabe on the show. So he'll be coming in uh, nice and early at about the 12.30, Smithy. But something I'm keen to really try and ramp up is midday madness. And so you've had some wonderful guests, some wonderful topics. And if people want to talk to me because they're scared of you, and why wouldn't they be, they can. We're going to open the lines and... Uh, Come at me. Come at me with what Smithy got right, with what Smithy got wrong, and you're guaranteed to come to ear. Um, so, but some good guests coming up, Smithy, uh, amongst other things. Uh, ben O'Keefe, part two of a five-part series, uh, getting to know the referees and what they go through. Played the first one out last week. Uh, Pre-recorded, um, obviously, but just getting to know them. Really popular it was last week, actually. Kerry Hill, a sprint coach. How do you make fast people faster? I'm interested to learn about that because... Mm. Can he make a slow person fast? That's pretty key. Scotty Waldrum, former Sevens player and also coach of the New Zealand Sevens side. He's joining us just after the New Zealand Sevens team do battle. 
Danielle Johnson on the show as well. Smithy uh, recently notched up 150 wins for the season and archery. I'm going to have an archery thread going through the show for quite some time. Oh, who you got, Robin Hood? Me. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, listen, pass on the message for Danielle. Uh, if we were picking a jockey's team to go to the Olympics, she'd be my number one in my women's team. How's that? I love that. I'm going to hit her with that. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Okay, thanks uh, to Brian on panel, JD. Three out of ten this morning. Trudy, 10 out of 10 every morning. Thanks for your company, folks. We'll see you at 9 o'clock. And hear from you as well, hopefully. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely, and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.